were all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer Well, good morning, everybody. This is Behind the Beards. We're glad you've joined us. And here on Behind the Beards, we pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and try to reveal the things that you need to know about your ministers and your ministry leaders. I am Joshua Fowler, preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And my brother, uh, Aaron Partlow, is in Longview, Texas. Now, Aaron, are you a youth minister or are you an associate minister? Uh, I am a youth minister. I am a youth minister. Right. There is there is no doubt in my mind that I am a youth a minister. Youth minister. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about the Zorbi. Uh, tell me tell me what the Zorbi is. So Zorbi is not a beanbag. Like I hate when people call it a beanbag. So like, oh, it's okay. just a beanbag chair. Uh, it's essentially a beanbag chair, but it's not. It's actually a. Uh, we should get sponsored by Zorbi too. What's going on here? Okay. Uh, but anyway, it is a. It is like a beanbag chair, but better. It's full of memory foam cubes uh so with a beanbag your bum can get warm and hot and sweaty and gross and you end up like in these weird places and they don't form very well but with memory foam as you know it always goes back to its original shape no matter what so when you're in a zorby um it retains its shape a lot better it supports better um it is heavier than a beanbag for sure uh, but a couple good flips, and it, like, fluffs up to this crazy huge size. So you can sit in it in different ways, depending on if you want to sit lower or higher or medium or more on top or more like a chair and all sorts of stuff. And as a big guy like myself, uh, they're really comfortable and not super hard to get out of and all that kind of stuff. So I would That's say the they, they do take up a lot of space, though. So uh, if you have a good open spot in your living room or a place that you can wheel it out for a movie or something like that or teenagers, it's great. They advertise for youth rooms. I would never put a Zorby in my youth room. Uh, <laughs> like, I just I just never would. Like, you got girls who wear dresses on Sundays, and that's just not fair. Um, right. I mean, I don't even like couches in youth rooms, okay? I'm that youth minister. Um and probably in a couple of years, uh, hopefully no one from Pine Tree is watching, but I'm going to try to get rid of them couches we got because they're gross. And they're just like, they're limited. They're limited space. Yeah. And and because they take up so much um, unusable space. Yes. Um, you know, it just is, is cumbersome. I know it's yeah. like a youth room, like, oh, we got to have couches in the youth room, but you don't. The key to comfortability for me, at least, um, the older I get, is how easy is it to get out of, right? Mm -hmm. um, it can be really, really comfortable to sit in, and that's awesome. But if it takes me 15 minutes to stand up, I'm out. Yeah, we just bought new furniture. We, we actually got rid of all of our furniture before we moved. Uh, and we took us, like, literally taking us three weeks to find something that we like. Uh, we just bought furniture. And one of the things I told Lauren, I said, I love this. This is really comfortable, but it's really low. Like, and I want something that like we can get out of with ease. We got your in-laws or your parents who are going to come stay with us and my parents. And like, I want something that you can get out of, but still comfortable. It doesn't look so. <laughs> yeah. You said, you said your in-laws. It yeah. reminds me of a video I saw and it was a, you know, a, a woman. And she said that feeling I get when my mother calls and tells me that I have to come babysit her grandkids. 
think about that for a minute. Oh, yes. you gotta think of my kids. It's like, oh, yeah, that was funny. Your in-laws, my parents. No, that's awesome. Uh, we're uh, we're about due for some new furniture as well. Our couches are a little broken down, and in order to get up, you kind of got to get a good little rock and then and get a good stand up. So cash in those stim checks, man. I know, right? Yeah, that's what we spent ours on was on furniture. So good stuff. You know, updating the house. How's the house coming along? You getting uh, settled in, moved in? I'd say we're at like eighty percent moved in. We still got some boxes. Um, right now we have some outside storage stuff that I don't really have a place for. Um, our outside storage is less than what we had in Kansas. So we're still trying to figure that out. I think as we unpack some stuff in tubs here that I can stack it better out there and then create like this level that I can put my tools and stuff on. Um, we'll just kind of see how that goes, but, um, we're mainly waiting for our furniture and now we have our furniture in our living room so now we can finish putting stuff on the walls because we can have things centered um in-laws are coming this next weekend so we got to really get into that guest bedroom and <laughs> not have it be a giant pile of boxes so lauren working prn has been a blessing uh because she's been working on that um while i've been going to the office and that kind of stuff so yeah we're getting there awesome that's good to hear uh, well, today we are talking about the question, who put baby in the corner, right? And the answer is, of course, nobody puts baby in the corner. Um, I I think about uh, a friend of mine every time somebody says this phrase. Um, the, you know, I don't know if I can say this on a Christian podcast, but Dirty Dancing was one of my wife's favorite movies growing up. And so we've watched it several times in our house. One of those guilty pleasures, I guess, if you want to call it that. But um, I walked in, I'm working in a automotive shop, right? And we're at the Saturn store and I walk off of our back little uh, uh, lounge area into the shop. Right. And I said, how do you call your lover boy? And, <laughs> oh, from, no. across, and from across the shop, one of my technicians pops his head out from under the hood and says, come here, lover boy. Oh, no. <laughs> And so that kind of became a running joke um, in the shop Literally. that we had there. That was just. Uh, Did he run towards you? Did you have to like lift him up? No, I didn't have to lift him up. Um, uh, we were too busy for that. But uh, but so we have this this question, right? Who put baby in the corner? We're talking about uh, really two sides of the difficulty of engagement. Uh, yeah. Because it really is it really is a a two headed monster here. On on one side you have my own personal. Uh, misgivings about putting myself in a place where I have to be vulnerable mm -hmm. um, and to do something I may not be comfortable with. And on the other end, you have a leader of a discussion or an event whose primary objective is to make sure that everyone feels comfortable in engaging. Right. So um, do you personally have do issues engaging in a group setting uh do i one more time i'm sorry <laughs> i was trying to plug my laptop in and it just okay. like all fell off over here it's just it's okay gone. and i'm reading that your gone. your father delivered mail to patrick swayze's relatives that's yeah i don't cool. believe him he's half seen that i don't know i believe him i believe everything your dad says uh, everything do um, i did you yeah. i just i couldn't remember if you asked do i have trouble engaging because yeah, if so 
that was ironic. In a group setting, do you have trouble engaging? That is what I asked. Um, I think it is really easy for me to disengage. Okay, this, I don't know if this is where you're headed, um, uh, but I have a really easy time disengaging. We'll go to NCYM, <clears throat> and sometimes you'll get, uh, and this is ironic now because I, I live in Texas, and I'm not trying to uh, uh, stereotype anybody. But sometimes you'll get like a youth minister up there who like 90% of his ministry is coaching football, you know, and when they get up there and they start, a, it doesn't matter how great the Devo is. Um, let me just change this. Well, uh, I just jumped out because you started talking about football and I feel like you're going somewhere that I don't want you to go. So. No, when, <laughs> no, when a, when a youth minister gets up there and like 90% of his lesson is about how he coaches and helps on this football team and they do all this kind of stuff. I just disengage because that's not one, that's not my style of youth ministry. Uh, but then two, also it's like boring to me. Like I just, I'm not, I love sports and I, I will go and watch football and I will go and do this with everybody. But like that stuff like disengages me and it makes it really hard for me um, to also really engage. But I'm also a bad Christian because also when somebody is, when there's too much sharing, when it comes to somebody's story and the bad stuff that they've done, it also disengages me uh, because I feel like it's oversharing of the bad and not of the good. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it I'm does. weird. I, I'm well, weird. But I get really cognizant of that because I'm not afraid to speak up. And, I mean, let's be honest. I have a thought about everything. Right, yeah. And sometimes it's valuable. Sometimes it's not. But in my mind, of course, it's always valuable. And people should know. And I that's mean, why you start a podcast. And that's why you start a podcast. That's or right. you're on two podcasts. <laughs> uh, right. And so, you know, but there is this you know, fine line. I'm in a class on Monday nights. I'm taking some uh, counseling classes. And look, I know I've been the teacher and especially on, on zoom classes, it is so hard to get yeah. people to comment and pitch in. Um, and this is, I mean, there are like nine ministers in this class. So you would think that it would be a talkative group. Right. You know, and so we get to this place and the, the, the teacher is like, Hey, so, um, what do you guys think about that? What, uh, you know, reflect on this. What, what do you think of, what questions do you have? What things do you notice? And so it's kind of quiet for a little bit and it's like, Oh, come on. I can't always be the one that speaks up first. And then if nobody speaks for a minute, the, the professor will say, Josh, I know you're not bashful about speaking up. You know, right. what do you have to say? It's like, okay, but you that don't is... want to consume that. Right. I mean, you don't want to be that where it's just like over and over and over again, because there's space for everyone to work. Um, and maybe there are some that are a little more hesitant about that initial engagement. So you know how you like, you'll be teaching a teen class and you'll have a parent in a teen class and sometimes like they won't allow for that awkward silence. And so they'll always try to like fill in that gap. Yes. And yeah. And you're like, uh, like your comments are good, but I want it coming from the teens. It's okay to let them sweat it out. It's okay. All this kind of stuff. P.S. I'm, I'm so parent. glad you're here. <laughs> I'm that parent, but not just in like a teen class, but like in an adult class. Like, and even it doesn't even matter if we don't even attend that church. We're visiting a church. We go like uh, on a Sunday or something or on a Wednesday night. We're visiting a church. I always, I'm always the guy who's like, yeah, I got a comment. I'll speak up. 
and I don't know if I get that from my dad or from my mom or what, but I just, I've never been bashful uh, when it comes to speaking up in a Bible class or something like that. Um, and I don't know why. And I just, I always do it. And sometimes Lauren's like, you don't have to answer. And I'm like, but I, I want to, like, I want to contribute. I know as a leader, like I want people to contribute. So I want to, I want to contribute and be a part of that. Um, and so it's always like, it's always, it's always really funny to me. Cause I'm always like, yeah, I got you back. Or I'll, I've never been there before visiting. I'll be like, yeah, I'll read scripture. Sure. Why not? So, yeah. well, Jonathan's talking about, you know, your story outshining, mm-hmm. you know, God's story or Christ's story. Uh, and that can be true even in the engagement process of, you know, it's easy to kind of get into the one upsmanship of, of sharing. Uh, and then oversharing. Um, and so sometimes active engagement can actually stifle engagement from other people. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it's a hard place to be as a teacher. Um, and this is going a little different way than I anticipated it would, but it's really yeah, good, sorry. right? No, that's okay. It's good. Um, because as, as a teacher, sometimes I've even had like students where I've said, okay, how do I, how do I ask them to hold off their thoughts for a moment, without putting them in a position where they feel like they've now been mm, kind of called out on the carpet, right? Yeah. And so now they don't want to like share at all because now he's kind of told me to be quiet, um, because you don't want that at all either. And so there's this super fine line, super fine, super fine, super fly. Uh, to, to providing this atmosphere in this this place where people can, yeah, there are there are times where I just don't feel like it. Like when I get into a class, and we have these activities, uh, I'm like, I really, I don't want to do this. I don't right. want to go play this game. Um, you know, even in discussion, when I get into class, sometimes I just want to sit there and I just want to listen. I don't want to participate. But what I know is that someone has put a lot of work into this, and if I'm not engaging it, I'm probably really not learning as well and i know that to be true because it's how i create my, my you know this classes. makes me this makes me think of like uh like if you go to soul quest or if you go somewhere uh like a youth of it right and one of my pet peeves sometimes and uh we we used to talk about this all the time at camp right uh josh about our counselors and our staff and they would do do this one thing clump you know uh, and, uh, like you have a speaker on the stage and he's trying to engage the crowd. He's trying to get some answers from them. And then when I look around, all I see is like youth ministers and other stuff like in the back or not paying attention as well, or using that time to fellowship amongst themselves, which I know is super rare for us to get to do. And it's really easy. Like I fall into this 90% of the time as well. I'm talking to myself here. Um, but like, being a leader in your group and being like, hey, you should answer, you know, or hey, you should raise your hand. Like, that's a good answer, you know, uh, and that kind of stuff and, and encouraging and helping your kids uh, to engage. Do you ever find yourself just calling people, just calling people out, just being like, like your teacher does with you? Um, I do. Uh, there are some, especially, and I, man, it is so tempting for me just to go to my kids Right. Because because I know them, and even if I embarrass them, you know, I can kind of come back to them later. And, and that's not fair in a youth group setting. 
Um, I assure you this, if I ever called my wife out in an adult class, um, she would not be attending my adult class any longer because she would shut down. That is just not her thing, speaking publicly. Um, but there are some people who make comments, and often all you really need is for someone to just give an answer. Um, and once once kind of that ice is broken, uh, then kind of it's, it becomes easier for others to kind of chip in and and begin to kind of add on to what's been said. If we're talking about this, if we're talking about discussions, uh, even in games, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When you start with a game, man, it can be the corniest, cheesiest, easiest game to play, and everybody's like, "This is corny, cheesy, and easy. I don't want anything to do with this." Um. And at first glance, a lot of people might look and say, why are you worried about getting everyone involved? Why does everyone have to participate? Um, and, and there is an importance for, for all to be involved because here's, here's what, yes. even if someone isn't actively engaged in an activity or something that we are doing, I need them to at the very least be present. Because if they're present in the middle of all the people, they're, they're still a part of that group, they're a part of that community, they're a part of that activity, and whether they like it or not, they're going to get swept in. Right. Um, it's, it's when we want to just, I can isolate myself mentally in, a, in, a, in people, mm-hmm. and that's just part of my personality. But when I take and I remove myself from the group, now then, my, my investment and my engagement, I can't even engage kind of on the fringe because I've isolated myself. Right. And, and so I've had a lot of people who really ask, it's like, why are you so intent on me doing this? It's like, because here, we're, we're family. Here we are mm-hmm. group. Here we are community. And in our community, there will not be people on the fringe. Dude, I just talked about this on Sunday. Uh, so... So this is kind of like a fun opportunity. You don't get to do this very often, right? Like where you're like the new guy. Um, And so you kind of get to like, yeah, right. So you really get to like lay out who you are, what you want to do and all that kind of stuff. And so I kind of got, I I sometimes ramble into a tangent. And so I got to that place where I am telling this new, this new group of teens, like these, this teenagers that I'm working with right now, they had COVID. Right, so it shut everything down. They didn't have a youth minister before that. Um, you know, their youth minister, you know, moved on like a year and a half before that. So they're like year and a half, two years, two and a half years without a youth minister, without programming or anything. So you ask them what you want to do as a youth group, and they're like, "Yeah, just like anything is great." Um, and so, but what I was telling them is, I said, "Hey." What I really want you guys to understand is what we're going to try to build here and what I'm going to push you guys to is that I don't care what high school you go to. I don't care what team you play on. I don't care if you're part of the Hispanic congregation or if you're a part of the Anglo congregation or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. When you walk into this room, we are the Pine Tree Youth Group. Like, that's who we are. Uh, And we're starting to call ourselves Roots. Like, we're the Pine Tree Roots. Um, and that's, that's who we are. And, um, so we're going to play games and sometimes you're going to look really dumb (laughs) and that's okay because everybody's looking really dumb. Uh, sometimes we're going to have class and there's going to be some hard questions that you're going to have to answer in a small group. 
And that's okay, because I expect everyone to kind of answer in a small group. Because when we walk through that door, we're going to take off all layers. We're going to take off everything. We're going to bear ourselves to each other because we know that in this room, everyone here loves you. And that we're going to show the love of Christ to each other in all situations. And it doesn't matter what happens outside this these doors. Um, and that's how like it works for me for engagement as well. And when you can create an environment where people feel obligated and willing to engage, because when you're around your closest friends, that's when you are the real you, right? Mm -hmm. And so like I strive, I really try, and this is all words. And if I had like the exact formula, how to really get this to work, then that would be awesome. But I don't, I just, this is something that I try to do. Um, but you try to create that environment in youth group uh, for engagements. And so um, there are some games that I've played that are pretty interesting when it comes to engagement. Have you ever played uh, a game where you've gotten really good engagement from the group? Um, like icebreaker games or just any kind of game? Any kind of game. What was that um, game? What was that game that we called uh, the treasure map one? The Questers Questing Quest? Questers Questing Quest. I don't know why. That's the first one that came to my mind. What uh, what I have found is with most things, mm -hmm. if you have one or two people who are willing to just go at it, mm. that is contagious. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't matter if, if they're the cool kids or not. Mm -hmm. If there is anyone that's just willing to get in... Um, that becomes something that spreads. <laughs> uh, even, you know, Ticks and Chiggers was a, a little easy indoor scavenger hunt kind of a game Ooh. that everyone at the beginning was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then all of a sudden they see two people racing to people on their team or to back to their places or to some other part of the building to do something and see who can come back. And then there's the judge. And what would the judge say about the things that we brought, whether they satisfy you know, and, and the guy on the end is like, I don't even want to be here. But then after right. seeing this over and over again, it's like, okay, no, oh, this actually looks like it's a little fun. Um, and so I think with any game, it's probably less about the game that's being played and more about the environment that that we can foster as leaders uh, to give people that freedom to just to just enjoy themselves, even if even if I look a little silly. And and I like what uh. Uh, you know, Bryce said, he goes, it's, it's hard for me to remember to remind people that the truth is you do get out what you put in. You know, if you have no investment, you're not going to get anything out of it. Um, and so fostering that environment that allows people to just put those reservations aside. I mean, that takes time, right? It takes time because they have to have an experience in the past that says, you know, we might do some silly things, but Aaron is not going to embarrass me. Yes. Um, Josh is not going to put me in a position where he's he's not going to give me this bait and switch where I've kind of wanted to be on my own. He's going to bring me into the fold, and then he's going to take everybody else and run away and leave me standing here by myself all alone. Right. Um, that trust has to be created with you uh, right. in order to foster this healthy environment. Yeah. Um, Plucky, is, Plucky is always a good one. Uh, just that's what so I was silly. about to say. How dare you um, click when I click? My bad. 
That's exactly, this is the game that I was thinking of, because you always have a group of people who are too cool for school, who don't want to do the activity and stuff. And Plocky, if you guys don't know, is plunger hockey. And it was always a lot of fun. You'd always, uh, you always had like the main group who was like really wanting to do it, right? And they were in there doing it. And you always had people who stood on the sidelines and they were like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this. And that's exactly how they'd always feel until that ball went near them. And when that ball went near them, they're like, oh, well, maybe I have a chance. And then they start getting in it, and they run and they chase it for a little bit. And so Plocky was always one of those games that I felt like engaged. Um, and I have I have found that if I hype up a game enough and I talk about it all week, um, that it doesn't matter. Like, I will get um, Broomball. Broomball, we don't talk about Broomball. Broomball is how people die uh let's go on the ice with our in our tennis shoes uh but yeah no broomball is is was great childhood memories for me uh as well i love that um but it's it's i what i was saying was like if i hype up a game all week um like i think of ultimate sombrero um spoiler alert i had no idea what ultimate sombrero was all week until like thursday night when it finally all came together um turned out it was a really fun game it was a little confusing but once you got it like it was good it reminds me of that parks and rec episode where he's like this is the cones of something i can't remember what he says you know and he's explaining it and you're like what What is this but ultimate sombrero turned out to be like this super fun awesome game uh and it was just because i hyped it all week and people enjoyed it and you you get people to figure it out and get going, and it's a lot of fun. And it's the same way with any youth group activity, but let's shift gears because we're not all youth ministers here. Some of us are full-time ministers. So how do you get people in your church, how do you get adults to engage as well in ministry just in general? How do you get families who just show up on Sundays who just do this to engage, be a part of a small group, to start making that turning point of, I just go to church to, I'm actually involved in church. As much as I'm involved in my fantasy football league, I'm involved in my fantasy preaching league. You know, Um, can we start those? Like how many times did, oh, Josh said this like four times this week. That got me like 10 points. Yeah, I'm. I could. Is that would that. that be good? I don't know. We should. That would be fun. That would be fun. We need to come up with a fantasy fantasy preacher league. Um, I'm I'm down with that. That would be somebody's seventh round draft pick, probably. That's right. That's right. I'd be there. Um. That that really is that really is the name of the game, though, right? Is, oh, it is totally. And, if there was an answer, we'd probably write a book and be rich. And and I think for me, it is. Can I be satisfied? Mm. in my own self, in my own ministry, in my own um, vision and mission, Mm. if only a few engage. Mm. Um, You know, because I'm looking, I'm looking church wide and Mm -hmm. maybe you're seeing 150, maybe you're seeing 200, maybe you're seeing a thousand. I don't know where people find themselves, right? Um, Can I be satisfied if only four percent of those people are willing to engage something 
Um, and can I have the humility to sit and work with those 4% in order to create something that can then grow into something bigger and better? Because I think that's where it begins. Just like when you know, Ticks and Chiggers begins with two people and probably mm -hmm. 10 left in a line that really don't want to be there. And then all of a sudden they see the excitement. Um, they see the adrenaline. They see um, the laughter. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And so then the next person goes, and then it just kind of moves down the line. And so I think you have to begin with who is there and who is willing to engage. Right. Uh, without abandoning the group. Um, but if this is who is here, this is who I'm going to work with. And we're going to do something, and as soon as we're done with it, we're going to let everybody know what we did and how how much fun we had together, how much better we got to know one another as we go through here. I had a preaching, preacher once tell me um, – that I had to change my vocabulary uh, because I would say, well, I only had two sign up to go. Uh, and he said, don't say that. Said, yeah. you just, you just like, you just made those two people feel like they're not important. Um, say you have two signed up or you get to go and spend some quality time with these two teenagers. He says, I once drove like four hours to a youth rally uh, with one teenager and he was a very successful youth minister. Like this was not like somebody who just like was not very successful. Couldn't get the kids engaged. Like he had one of, of like 140 or something sign up for this youth rally. And instead of canceling it, he went with that one team. He helped them engage in groups, make some lifelong friends uh, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I, I believe, I believe now, I don't know if I'm telling a, a lie here, so I apologize if I am, but I believe that that was the weekend that that teenager decided that they wanted to become a Christian uh, when right. they got home. Uh, and he spent that entire, entire time like fostering that mentorship and that relationship uh, with that one teenager. Um, and so, you know, people ask him, well, was it worth it? I mean, you just went with one. And he said, yeah, it was completely worth it. And then next year, because he took a lot of pictures, they had a lot of fun, and the hype was there for the next year. You know, um, right. something that you knew youth ministers that you need to know, especially if you start in a new place, you might do an event that has nobody come or one or two few people come. That's when you got to take the most pictures. You got to have as much fun as you say you're going to have, uh, and then next time more will show up because word will get out. Hey, this was actually really fun. This was actually really good. Yeah, and, and that sounds like it's marketing, but it's really not about marketing. It's just no. about telling telling the story, right? Mm -hmm. Telling about what is transpiring and what's occurring. Uh, we had a group that would get together. Uh, everything is like pre or post-COVID, right? Pre-COVID. Right. Really, when we started coming here five and a half years ago, when we moved to Baton Rouge, um, there was a group that would get together and go out to eat on Sunday nights after, after church. And that group used to be pretty large and it mm. kind of dwindled down to where it was us and maybe two other couples, maybe one, uh, maybe one of the family, but it was just two or three of us together. Uh, right before COVID we would have like a whole room of a restaurant, right? You know, we would put these tables together and it would be this long group of tables, kids in one area, adults in another area. Um, and it was just after church on Sunday night, it was just like, hey, where are we going to eat? And then everybody just went there. Um, you know, and so sometimes those things evolve just organically. But sometimes we have to be a little more intentional about how we put things into practice. 
Right. Uh, and for me, it's going back to Bible classes for a moment. It's about how do you write mm -hmm. discussion questions? Because you think about questions that engage discussion. You ha really have two kinds of questions. You can have those questions that are yes, no, and they yes. shut they they shut this like a one completely a one answer kind of question that there is a there is a methodology to writing discussion questions and man you can just you can be like man i just can't get the kids to talk and i'm like because you don't give them anything to talk about yeah <laughs> like the what am i supposed to an, say and i'll tell you this if you ask right and wrong answers yes you're probably not going to get much discussion because nobody wants to be wrong right um and so i try to ask questions like what do you think? Mm -hmm. What do you see? Um, what do you um, take out of this, you know, passage? Um, and it's not because I don't have my own thoughts, but because if I'm asking what you think, what you see, and what you glean from it, you can't be right or wrong. I mean, because that's your experience. And I can't come back and say, well, I might disagree. Uh, but I might have a different experience, but I can't say you're wrong because that's your thought. Right. Um, and I can take that thought and I can, I can lead us into a, into a path, maybe a better understanding. Sometimes those people lead me into a path of better understanding. And you know, you just, I don't know what just happened there. It's got super, super blurry. Like, I don't know if my glasses went funny or what, but, um, but there is this art of, of trying to get people to engage this in a way that allows us to, to begin to have a conversation about it. And, and you can ask things that are really super simple, right? And if you're asking really simple questions with simple answers in, a, in an adult class or even a more mature youth class, uh, nobody, wants, nobody wants to say the answer everybody is thinking. Right. They assume it's rhetorical, um, and you know if if I ask one of those rhetorical questions or those obvious questions and nobody answers, that's when you can kind of get people laughing by saying, "Okay, everyone say it with me." The answer is Jesus. That's right. Yeah, Jesus. Everybody say it with me. You know Jesus. how to say it. I will always actually have. I think almost if it's a really highly discussion class. I will always have that one question that is the Jesus answer. Um, and then I say, man, that was it, guys. That was the softball one. So if you missed it, I'm sorry, because the rest of them are going to require you to answer, and we're going to talk about it. So it's kind of funny. And so how do, you, how do you pull, if we move from discussion into games, how do you pull that one person, that one teenager, that one staff member um, off the wall and into the group when maybe being in your midst is the last place they want to be right uh, for kids they're there because their parents force them to come sometimes um, for adults they're there because they feel too guilty if because their they parents force them to come yeah, when they were growing up <laughs> their grandparents um, are there and you know when you look at them, it's the last place in the world they want to be. Are you talking about um, Easter Sunday that's coming up? <laughs> hey, it is coming up, isn't it? When it's Easter Sunday. Holiday Sundays? Um, I, don't know if, uh, I don't know if you have any 
like tips for pulling those people in? Um, I think um, I think the most the best success in those situations is you got to be on your game. Uh, elders, deacons, preachers, youth ministers, regular members. We have got to be on our game as far as remembering names because the name of the game, in my opinion, is relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got somebody that comes four times a year, but you know their name, and you you don't say, oh, you're so-and-so's son, right? But you say, hey, hey, Fred, we haven't seen you for a while. I'm, I'm really glad you're here this Sunday. Uh, celebrate Easter with us. Uh, when you create relationship, and you can even to a certain point, you can fake relationship. Uh, you can make someone seem like you're a lot better friends uh, than you really are. Um, yeah, and this is a big one for me. Lauren does a really good job at this in our Bible class, but helping to validate them uh, when they answer, even if it's not exactly what you're looking for, that's huge. Uh, because I used to be in a place where I would say, uh, no. Not the answer I'm looking for. Thanks for playing. Thanks Try for again. playing, but you lost. Um, you know, I, I now I say things like, "Ooh, that's really, really good." We're getting close to what I'm thinking. Uh, what else out there? What else can we, you know, pull from this? What else can we talk from this that I want that I'm trying to get to now? Think like me, you know, kind of a thing, and try to pull people into kind of where I want them to go or something like that. But originally what I'm saying is I think like with adults and with other people, if you create that relationship and those kind of things, I think uh, that creates those moments uh, for them. So that, that that's what I would say. I think that, that helps engage people when you know that relationship. I always used to think it was really awkward. Uh, I used to go to lunch with Terry Kitson, a pulpit preaching minister now at the Mansfield Church of Christ. He, um, he always asks waiters and waitresses what their name is and is always super awkward at the beginning. But then towards the end, like he's got a better relationship, friendship quality with those people. And sometimes we'll see the same people the next week or a couple weeks down the road. Um, and he's really good at names. Uh, and yeah. I think that's, that's part of that engagement process. Relationships are important. Um, and, you know, part of what Jonathan talks about here with asking questions and building on those questions mm. um, kind of leads people into, it's like, I know it's obvious. Acknowledge that it's obvious. But say, I want the obvious answer anyway. Give it to me. Uh, because sometimes just the practice of opening your mouth and saying something, you know, then is like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Right. And everybody has done it. And so there's a little bit of noise in the room now. There's not this awkward silence that has to be broken. And you kind of lead them into some of those difficult um, tasks. Um, the I also think sometimes our groups can be too big. Yeah, they can be. And um, I think I think it's uh, there's two things I really wanted to say before we we get to this closing thing. And this might be a little weird, but I think sometimes our groups are too big. And I think if you're teaching an adult Bible class. You need to know when it's okay to do the youth group thing and say, hey, I want you guys to break up into a couple small groups in the room real quick, right? I know, this is weird. Uh, and even if they're in pews, hey, I want you to get up out of your pew. I want you to move over a little bit. I want you guys to talk about this as like a little bit of group. And you two... close and social distance, come on. Well, okay. 
but then also, like, it's okay to play a game in an adult class. Like, we all, like, there are still adults who engage physically. So, stop. I would say most adults engage physically. They just don't know it. That's right. Stop being a boring uh, adult Bible class leader and just doing the exact same thing. Stop making Bible class seem like school. Um, but I want you, yeah, play some dodgeball with the 80-year-olds. No, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, we can spice it up and have an activity or something that helps people uh, engage. Because the more your 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 audience is friendly with each other, I feel like... Um, now, it's not good to do that during corporate worship, okay? Studies have shown that people don't like that during cor corporate... Corp <laughs> Whatever it is, actual Sunday morning church service, but Bible class is different, and let's do it different. Yeah, um, you said earlier that you know Corporate we got to be on our game. There it is. Mm -hmm. We got to be on our game, um, and that's true for me as a leader as well. Like, if I'm going to be one of those people that barks out the commands, barks out the instruction, and sits back and watches you play. Mm -hmm. That doesn't encourage someone on the fringe to come and engage. Right. So um, I have to set the tone by saying, oh, no, no, I'm not immune from this. I'm on a team and I'm on I'm a part of this activity. I'm going to be in this circle or that circle. And I'm, I'm right here with you. And, and sometimes it's that willingness that pulls those people off of the edge to come in and say, oh, well, he's not going to embarrass himself. You know, so <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. Little, little do you know. <laughs> That's right. I do and that so, all the time. You know, it starts with, uh, it starts with that engagement uh, for my own being. And, and I think you were right on when you said we have to up our game. Um, and if we want our members to up our game, then we're going to have to do it as leaders. And when I come to other leaders in the church and say, hey, my kids need someone to come in and compete with in their Jeopardy game because mm. they've been working on this story and now it's game night and they have Jeopardy and they want to play the elders. They want to play the deacons. They want to play their parents. Um, we, need to, we need to not be ashamed that these kids in this moment might know those questions better than we do. doesn't mean that we yeah. don't know the Bible. It it's doesn't okay mean to that lose. we aren't ministry or uh, you know good Christians. It doesn't mean that we aren't mature it just means that these kids have been studying this for however many weeks, and now they're getting ready to play a game, right. and they want to show off what they know. You know um, what? And sometimes knowing the minute details, how big was the tent stake that got driven through so-and-so's head? You know, <laughs> if you don't know that answer, you're still going to heaven. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it's okay, because those are the kind of questions that they sometimes ask in Bible Bowl and Bible Quiz right. or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but it I just gets the kids in the it just gets the kids in the in the meat of the word, right? And they're reading it and they have to read every verse to learn all the answers. And so it puts them there in that space. And why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? Um I had a group of shepherds who would do the what's the one where you hold up the, the cubes? Is that Bible yeah, Bowl? Bible Bowl. I had they would play the kids in Bible Bowl and every year they would be up ahead and they'd be they'd be winning them by a few points. They throw in the last round uh, because 
the deal was if they beat the elders, then the elders would buy them pizza. Mm-hmm. So they'd throw it and buy them pizza. Be like, you guys did so good. And you know what? And the kids really didn't know that they threw it because they were losing the whole time. Uh, I mean, they were up ahead the whole time. And I mean, it was really close because the elders were trying. They wouldn't, they would not study it. You know what I mean? They wouldn't go home and study the material right. so that they were ready. They did it off of just their, their memory kind of thing. And, um, you know, some people would go into that and go, oh, well, the elders can't lose to teenagers. Uh, you know, does that show that the they don't really know their – no, it doesn't. What it shows is that they're invested and that they love these teenagers and want to buy them pizza and support them and love on them. Yeah. And just not allowing ourselves to be comfortable. I mean, like yeah. says here, comfort is a silent but deadly killer in the church. And that's just, you know, refusing yeah. to be complacent. We can be content. Uh, but we can never be complacent. Always looking for ways to grow. Man, um, what a what a what a podcast! Yeah, it was good. crazy. That's crazy. This is a this is a good topic. I actually was thinking that uh, this could be its own uh, episode sometime. So maybe we'll dive deeper into uh, comfort Christianity Sounds and good. being comfortable in our ministries. Uh, how easy it is to be comfortable in our ministries and not step out of what we know, especially in a post-COVID world. So that's crazy. We want to thank you guys for being here today, though. Um, We're glad to be back. I'm thankful for all who watched our video last week. We have a couple of those in our pockets, and when summer comes up, we might run some of those even more if I'm out of town or Josh is out of town uh, and we're not able to get a co-host or something like that. But we are appreciative of you guys being here and we want to remind you of galatians 6 9 do not grow weary in doing good this world is messy life is messy so allow christ to use you to do something different something good in his name i'm aaron partlow and my co-host josh fowler and we will see you next week on behind the beards Till we're all growing a beard a man's face should never be bare we just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beer